For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going through the book of Corinthians. We're in chapter 15, and today we're in verse 45. Amen. And this is where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he is answering questions that they have, but he's also straightening some things out. Uh, that needed to be straightened out, as there always will be. Why? Because we are human beings, and every day in your life, you need to straighten things out within your own self, as I do also. And the same within the church, the same within your home, the same within your relationship. Every single day, we are straightening things out. As long as we're in this human body and this human flesh, we will have a fight. The Bible says we will have a fight with it. Amen? We will fight with the flesh. See, because your spirit is saved, but we still live in this flesh, and we still have a fight with it. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, Paul says, the Bible says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So here, Adam is contrasted with the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, there was the first Adam, that was Adam. The second Adam that the Bible's talking about, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And all who come descend from him bear his characteristics, his human nature, his sin nature. He brought sin into the world. The last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, became a life-giving spirit, according to John 5.21. You see, he gives life, eternal life, spiritual life. And the difference is the first Adam was given physical life, whereas in the second case, Christ gives eternal life to us. He give spiritual life. You're born again, born into the spiritual realm, not physical, but spiritual. And you ever look, look at yourself in the mirror and you go, is that really me? Am I really that person? Is that me looking myself in the eye? Is that really who I am? See, because you are in there. This is just the body that you dwell in. And this body may die, but you will live on. It may be an eternal death or eternal life. And what, do you, what am I talking about, eternal death? What do you mean, preacher, by eternal death? I'm talking about a place called hell. The Bible says that there's a second death. And that's where you'll spend eternity, eternity in a place called hell in the lake of fire. But Jesus came so that you wouldn't have to. 
Jesus came to give eternal life. Jesus came to give spiritual life. He is that life-giving spirit. Amen. So Adam, the first Adam, he came physically, God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And those who are all born, and that's us, you, you are born after Adam. You are in the lineage of Adam as every human being is. And just as every human being is in the lineage of Adam, that sin passed upon every man, the Bible says. But you can defeat that by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that death will be swallowed up in victory. But it doesn't just happen. Just because Jesus died on that cross doesn't mean that you get it. It's not a blanket salvation that covers the world. Oh, no. It is a one-on-one conversion. It is a one-on-one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard that saying, it's all about who you know? The jobs that you can get, the places you can get in, the things that you can get, tickets you can get, things that you can make happen. It's all about who you know. And let me tell you, it's the same getting into heaven. It's all about who you know. But there's only one person that you need to know, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can forgive sins. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. You can't get into heaven by confessing your sins to another man. You can't get into heaven by confessing your sins to somebody they call Father. He can't forgive nothing. Only the Lord Jesus Christ and his precious blood will God accept for a payment for sin. And so let's look at verse 46. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. How be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Don't let that converse confuse you now. I'm going to read it again. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So Paul sets forth just a fundamental law in God's universe, mainly that the spiritual is not first, but the natural is. In other words, you have to be born physically in the flesh before you can be born again spiritually. You have to be physically born before you can be spiritually born. Now, if sin had never come into the world, we wouldn't have to worry about that. You would want you to be born. There would be no death in the world because when God created this world, he created man. Death was not in God's design. It was a man that sinned and brought death into the world. And so now a person does die because it's a wage. That's right. Death is a wage for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the wages of sin is death. And that's why every person living will die and has died. Ten out of ten people die. You will not beat death, but you can Save yourself. You can defeat death by doing what the Bible says, by being born again, by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But your natural body still going to get old and die, even if you're saved, because your soul is saved. Now, one day when Jesus comes back and he raises your body from the grave, hey, amen, you'll be forever be with the Lord. You will have that glorified body. You can walk and talk with him. Amen. And we may have a job here on earth. Adam had a job in the garden. Adam was to tend to the garden. 
It was never God's plan for a man to be lazy. It was never God's plan for a man to lay on the couch and wait for the government to send him a check. God's plan from the very beginning was for a man to work. That was Adam's job, even in the perfect world before sin came into the world, was to tend to the garden. Amen. That work is God's plan. But the thing is, when you're in a perfect world, work won't be, it won't be toil like it is now. You won't bring forth fruit by the sweat of your brow. It'll be a joyous labor. I believe that. I believe that. It'll be a joyous labor. You'll enjoy doing it. It won't be hard, hurtful. You're where your body hurts. You're full of pain. You're tired. You got blisters all over you. It won't be like that. It'll be glorious work. You'll enjoy each and every second of it. So look with me now in verse 47. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And so he's explaining to you what he just said. The first man was of earth, made of dust. Adam was made of dust in the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you shall return. Uh, he was made of the dust of the ground. And in his life, it seemed very real in the sense to be earth bound. He came from the earth. He came from the dirt. And that's how God breathed breath into him. What a miraculous thing to think. How complex our body is. How many atoms and, and molecules and cells and white blood cells and red blood cells and so many things that we don't even fully understand and brain cells and all these amazing things that work together in perfect harmony so that your body can function, yet God breathed that into dust, the breath of life, and brought forth a glorious creation. I believe there's a very deep spiritual lesson to learn in that fact. You, you could be a, have a messed up, dirty, foul life. But listen to me, when God breathes into your life, when he breathes salvation and you accept it into your heart, he can make something beautiful out of something that's a mess. He can take a mess and he can take a master, make a masterpiece out of it. It doesn't matter where you came from, who you are how dirty you've been or how low you've gone. God can breathe life into that mess, into that dirt, and bring a glorious creation out of it. You can be reborn. You could be born again. And I promise you, your life will change. You will hate sin and you will love the Lord. And if a person says they got saved and their life doesn't change, you can mark it down. They've, they've got a false conversion. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ moves into a person's heart, you are going to see some type of change in their life. It worries me. It worries me. It worries me when somebody says they got saved and nothing about their life changes. They have no interest in the Bible. They have no interest in going to church. The Bible says that you'll have love for the brethren. You'll have love for preaching. You'll have love for God's word. As a baby desires milk, the Bible says, that new Christian will, will desire the word of God. And what does a baby do? A baby will cry out and scream and kick when he's hungry, when he needs milk. And the same with a newborn Christian. Hey, when somebody truly gets saved, listen to me, you're not going to have to chase them down and beg them to read the Bible. No, they'll come to you. They'll come to church. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean we should give up on people and just say, well, 
forget it. No, we should, because there is a lost art of discipleship within the church. And so we should seek those out. But I am saying when somebody's truly born again, they will desire that. They will have the desire for God's word. They will have a desire to be in church. They will have a desire to be around the brethren. Amen. There will be a change. And just as God breathed into dust and formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and created this masterpiece, God can breathe breath into the mess that is your life and make a masterpiece out of it for himself. Amen. And God will get all the glory out of it. Thank God for that. Amen. Look with me now in verse number 48. As is the earthy. Such are they also that are earthy, and is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And so Adam here is earthy, such are they are also earthy. He came from the world. Of course he's going to be worldly. Before you're saved, you're, you're a worldly person because you're from the world. And so the last Adam, though, he existed from all eternity. But he, as a man, he came from Adam through the land. He came from Mary. He came from heaven himself. He came and left the riches of heaven in the right hand of God to be born through a, a virgin named Mary so that he may come to seek and to save that which was lost. And listen, everything he did and said was heavenly and spiritual rather than earthly. It was heavenly minded. And those who are born, those who are, are born of Adam, they have his characteristics. Just like whether you like it or not, you have some of your parents' characteristics. I don't know if you've seen that commercial about there, out there, but it's a man and a husband, uh, uh, I mean a man and a wife, and they are slowly turning to their parents. And that can be the case with us sometimes. And those who are born of Adam, they inherit his characteristics. But listen, the same as those who are born in Christ. They are Christ-like. They have his characteristics. You see, you know what the word Christian actually means? It means little Christ. It means to be like Christ, to act like Christ, to walk like Christ, to talk like Christ, to have the heart, to have the heart of Christ, to want what Christ wants. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's a small Christ. Are you acting that way today? Are you living that out in your life? Are you showing the world Christ-likeness? Because the only Bible they may ever read is you. The only scripture they may ever hear is you. The only plan of salvation they may ever hear will come from you, will come from looking at you and what you say and how you act and what you do and where you go. And so make sure that we are living that out, Christian, in front of people because they are watching. They are looking to see. Do you believe what you're saying? Do you live out what you're saying? Look with me in verse number 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. As we have borne the characteristics of Adam to our natural birth, we should also bear the image of Christ in our, in the, in our resurrection of bodies. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and we get our glorified body, whatever that looks like, I've heard a whole lot of speculation, but I'm not going to uh, preach on that. You, you just 
You can think about that yourself. Whatever you think that heavenly body is going to be like. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I do know it'll be perfect. I do know there'll be no more hurt, no more pain, no more suffering. Thank God for that. No more disease. And I look forward to that day. I look forward to seeing my family members and walking and talking with them and telling stories and and, and thinking about people being saved and, and just worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ together because I do want to see my family that's in heaven. I do want to see the, the babies that have, have died and I preached their funerals and that was so hard, but I know I'll get to see them again. Amen. I so look forward to that day, but none of that will compare to being in the glorious presence of a thrice holy God. Amen. That I look forward to more than anything because that is going to be a glorious day. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corrupt inherit incorruption. So Paul turns to the subject of transformation here, and that will take place in the bodies of believers, both living and dead, by the way, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And Paul says here, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This present body that we have is not suited and cannot be in the kingdom of God. In other words, our bodies now, our present bodies, are subject to disease, decay, decomposition, all kind of other problems. This body isn't suited for heaven. But the body that the Lord Jesus Christ will give us will be suited for to spend eternity with him. It'll never get old. You'll never get sick. You'll never get tired. Amen. I so look forward to that day, to that body. I sure do. And I know that you do too. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed when he says sleep there he says i'm showing you a mystery we shall not all sleep we shall not all be dead there will be believers alive when the lord jesus christ come back and that when he says sleep he's talking about somebody being in the grave but not all believers will taste death not all believers will experience death there will be some of us alive when the lord jesus christ comes back he could come back before i finish this message he might come back in a year, 10 years, or 10,000 years. We don't know. Nobody knows. The Bible says not even the angels know. So some Christians will be alive, and some Christians will not experience death or be in the grave when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The Bible says that dead in Christ shall rise first. Those that are in the grave will rise up out of the grave and meet Christ in the air. Then us, those that are alive, will be caught up with them, the Bible says. So some will be alive when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Amen. But whether we have died or still alive, we all of us will be changed. All of us will get our glorified body. Amen. And the truth of resurrection itself is it's not a mystery. It does appear in the Old Testament. It is a fact. But Paul is, is explaining that's a mystery here. That how does a dead person and a live person both rise from the ground and yet get their glorified body? 
but it happens because the Bible says so. And you say, fully explain that. I cannot. But I just fully believe it, and I fully trust it. I don't fully understand how electricity works, but I fully believe when I turn that light switch on, the light is coming on. I don't fully understand everything about the Bible. I don't fully understand everything about God, but I fully believe it, and I fully trust it. Amen? You don't have to know everything about a subject in order to trust it. You just trust it. You lean on God and His Holy Word. And I'm going to tell you right now, God will never, ever, ever let you down. God will always be there for you. And you can trust Him in this life, and you can trust Him after this life, amen, to give you eternal life, to be with Him forever. And so Paul is here explaining this mystery. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not everyone will die. Not everyone will taste death. But he says all of us are going to be changed. All of us are going to get our glorified body. Look with me now in verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and, sh and we shall be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, so fast that you cannot see it. At the last trump shall be sung, the dead shall be raised. When a person is saved, born again, a piece of the Holy Spirit is moved, put in them, God places a piece of himself in you, and that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides within you. The Bible calls him the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, a piece of God himself. And that's what it says when he said, you're sealed into the day of redemption. Now he's sealed with what? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the change will take place instantly in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And the last trump here does not mean that the end of the world or even the last trumpet mentioned in Revelations but really and rather, it refers to the trumpet of God, which will sound when Christ comes and calls for his church, for his bride. You can read 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and it will tell you that Christ is coming back for his bride, and his bride is the church, and every Christian is a part of the church. Every Christian is that is born again, is in the family of God. You are in God's family. You are part of the church. You are part of the bride of Christ. And Christ is coming back for his bride. And just a side note there, you know, a good godly marriage is a great representation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church, in this world that people can see with their own eyes. And in some magical, mysterious way, People can see Christ when they see a good, godly marriage and how much you love each other despite the flaws, despite the shortcomings, despite the wrongs, despite the bad things that have happened, all that you still love one another and serve one another. A great marriage is, is not made up of a servant and a taker or a taker and a servant. A great marriage is made up of two servants serving each other. And let me tell you, when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he came to serve. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Did he not wash the disciples' feet and humble himself and said he's a servant? 
Should we not do the same? So a great marriage is made up of two servants that love each other despite all the flaws. I'm here today to tell you, if you've never been saved, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. What do you have to do? Realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You will die someday. Repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.